Welcome to Haven, the podcast where we explore the vast landscape of loss. There's no going over or around grief. We're going to take it piece by piece and navigate these tough topics the only way we know how, by going through it. This podcast discusses miscarriage, pregnancy, infant, and child loss, so please listen with care. Silent mystery. I'm Jen Burgard, your host, and following my own personal tragedy founded Haven Landscape of Loss. We are telling stories of loss and sharing our perspectives on surviving grief. We know that grief and joy can coexist in life after loss, but what if you were forced into that space much quicker than you or anyone would have expected? Our guest today was 36 weeks pregnant with her fourth child when her third passed away at just 15 months old. I know, impossible. But she found a way and is sharing that experience with us today. Welcome, Megan Hillica. All right. Welcome, Megan. How are you today? Hi, Jen. I'm very excited to be here and to chat with you. Yeah, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we've connected. This has been, it's been so fun to get to know you over the last few weeks. And I'm really excited to share your story and, and what you're doing with all with our audience. So if you want to just dive right in and tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name is Megan Hillica. I am a mother of seven children, and I do grief work. I'm a grief coach and guide, and I support grieving moms through grief now. But that starts with my story of grief and loss, and I would have never, ever, ever pictured you know, myself to be doing this in my life, kind of like took a 180 degree turn in my life, you know, when my daughter died. So May of 2016, I was 36 weeks pregnant with our fourth child, and then my 15-month-old daughter died. She was 15 months old, and she died in her sleep. It's called SUDC, so it's Sudden Unexplained Death in Childhood. And it was just such a shock. It was not something I expected. It's kind of like the thing, you know, you're kind of, okay, she's over a year old. I don't have to worry about that anymore. That doesn't happen to two kids anymore. It's kind of like a a mile marker that you kind of think of in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was such a shock um, to be you know, 36 weeks pregnant and then trying to deal with like, like a, <laughs> finding my daughter after she died and having my four-year-old and my two-year-old with there in the house with me. I was the only one home. It was just so traumatizing and shocking. And I often say that in that moment, like I, I feel like there was a moment that like my brain just snapped. Yeah. Like when I found her in my, I lost everything and I didn't know how quickly your mental health can be lost in just an instant. Like everything changed in one second. And it was just like, I don't know. And my whole trajectory of my life shifted and changed. And yeah, I, I don't know. Oh my gosh. That I'm so sorry. That is absolutely devastating. Can you tell us a little more about your daughter? Yeah. So Aria, she was just our princess. I always called her my princess. After two boys, it was so fun to have a little girl. She was super tiny and light. Like even when she when I was 36 weeks pregnant, it was easy to hold her on my hip and carry her around. She had hip surgery when she was one year old for hip dysplasia. And she was in a cast for six weeks. And she 
It's like a full body cast, like her hip. Poor baby. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Hips down, I guess. So it wasn't like her upper body, but her hips down. So her legs were in a cast and she did so good. Like she just, I had a stroller and a beanbag chair for her and she just sat in those things and I'd give her snacks and my other boys would just play with her and talk to her. And she just sat on her beanbag and watched everyone. She was so, so easygoing. And for me, that's been one thing I've thought often that, you know, you can always try to find the things that you are grateful for in your own loss or own experience. And for me, with her was that I never got mad at her. She was still such an innocent little tiny girl who was so happy and so like she would throw a fit and I'd just be like, you're so cute throwing a fit. Like, look at you. Like it was never, I never got frustrated with her, (laughs) you know, like, and for me, I'm super grateful that those are the memories I have with her. She was, yeah, she was just so special. What a beautiful name, Aria. Oh, oh my goodness. And you you think that is something sometimes that can make us feel better, right? The idea that oh, you only knew my love, you know, you only knew the best version of me as your mom, just always loving on you and that's it. And and that's something sometimes that, that helps or, or can help a grieving heart. So, so you were 36 weeks pregnant when you yes. found her. And so then I'm sure you went through funeral preparations, all of this stuff, these questions. I mean, how was that experience? It was very challenging. So like kind of how I describe it too was like, we almost have four kids, right? I'm almost due for the you know, fourth child. So we're like preparing for our fourth child. And then I know it was like, okay, we almost had three kids. But in my mind, it was like, all of a sudden we have two. So it felt like a huge, like we're almost having our fourth child. And then also we just had two at home. And that time between Aria's birth and my next daughter, Breland's, or Aria's death and then my next daughter, Breland's birth, I couldn't decide. Like I was like, I, I'm actually fine if I go overdue. Like I need more time to process and to be with, you know, what's going on. Like I don't need this baby to come yeah. early. I don't, I'm happy for it to stay in as long as it needs to mm-hmm. and it was to stay in there and it was just it was very challenging I would, and I kept wondering like how do you say goodbye to one child and hello to another within four weeks it was like such painful experience to such a joyous experience and like I, I remember Breland's birthday was like I was like on a high all day that day. It felt, I was so happy to have another girl. I didn't know what I was having. And I feared that I wouldn't ever get that experience again with a girl. And so I was so excited and I'm happy to have a girl and to be able to hold another little girl. But it's just a roller coaster, <laughs> like yeah. grief is. And then having a baby. And after that, my trigger and my trauma was sleep. And then my baby slept all the time. If my baby, my newborn, she's constantly sleeping. So it's like, I didn't ever relax. I was constantly on edge, trying to keep her alive, trying to keep my other kids alive, trying to keep my husband alive. Like I wanted to keep everyone alive. And how do I do that? And I was so stressed out on edge, you know, like it was, it's so stressful. Stress. I don't think that word even that doesn't do it justice. That doesn't do what you were doing justice at all. No. It was trauma in the end. Like I didn't realize it was trauma. Yeah. But I found out after a few weeks, which I'm I'm very grateful how quickly 
I was able to get the help I needed and the trauma help I needed. So it was very quickly, maybe two months after Aria died, that I learned that it was trauma. And within a few months after that, that I was able to do, start doing EMDR. But that stress and on edge, it like, yeah, you're right. Stress doesn't do it justice. It's like this, like I always told people, I have a ball in my chest that's slowly killing me. It's so tight and so big and I can never relax. I'm every muscle is constantly tight and it's just like, it's horrible, horrible to live with. I love that you can put words to it because I think that so many people could probably identify with that. You know, you're trying to explain this to someone who hasn't felt it, right? Felt trauma and grief in that way. And like, this is all I can say is this big giant thing that is just yeah. trying to kill me, right? I yeah. I don't know how to describe it. Oh my goodness. And then and then you're parenting your newborn and she is sleeping all the time, which any other parent, right, is saying, oh my gosh, how wonderful, how lucky. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh yeah. my God, okay, yeah. no, stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I like, I couldn't ever, like I constantly had my hand on her belly and if somebody else would take her and hold her, I'd be panicking and be like, you are not watching her. You don't know if she stopped breathing. You need your hand on her belly and you need to be looking at her. You can't just be having a conversation with someone else and holding my baby. You you are not watching her. And I was so stressed out until they handed me back and then I could feel her and I could be, you know, holding her mm-hmm. and know if she were to stop breathing, I would know. You know, that was like my fear and my my thoughts constantly. It's terrifying, right? I yeah. think you're worried about the same thing happening because when you don't know, right? So you didn't, I assume you didn't get an answer for, for why Aria passed away. No, we didn't get an answer. And in some ways is really challenging because I didn't know, mm-hmm. because I didn't know the reason or the why or the how. And so then you start to look around and like, how can I prevent this? If I don't know how this happened, I don't know how I'm supposed to prevent it in my other children. Right. So I would do like everything. I knew everything about safe sleep. I bought only non-toxic mattresses, all these things. Their sheets need to be organic and nothing in their beds and no stuffed animals, no blankets, like every, (laughs) I did everything. I knew everything. (laughs) And, you know, my kids couldn't go sleep on a different person's bed because that might be a toxic mattress and they might be fall against the wall and get squished between the bed. Like I had all, I knew everything about it. And I was so stressed about it. Well, yeah. I mean, you'd collected everybody's horror stories, yeah, including totally. your own, <laughs> including yours, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So what were you supposed to do? I think that's totally reasonable. <laughs> yeah. No, at the time I was like, you know what? This is what I need to do. It's mm-hmm. fine. I don't care if I have to buy new mattresses. I don't care. It's This is what I need to do to be able to be functional and somewhat sane. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so that's what that that's what I need to do. And it's like, it's fine. It's fine. That's just what I need to do. But on the other hand, when we're talking about not knowing how or why she died, for me, it's also been also comforting now as I've worked through and processed my grief in that I don't have to know the reason. I don't have to know why. For me, I just believe it was her time to go. This is just my own personal belief in yeah, that yeah. her life was complete her life wasn't like cut short in the way that we think as humans, you know, like we're like, okay, no, she was only 15 months. It wasn't long enough. And in my heart, I wish it was longer, 
But I do believe that her life was complete and that it was her time to go. And there was nothing I could have done to save her. There was nothing I could have changed, which was a huge thing that I had to work through. I say that sounds like a big hurdle to (laughs) overcome. Yeah, it was huge. It was a big thing for me to to work through. But now I fully feel that it's like there was nothing I could have done. It was her time to go. I think that's amazing because you I, clearly you didn't start that way, right? I mean, you can't. No. That's impossible. <laughs> I mean, because immediately you were you like, this is so unfair. You know, this isn't this isn't how this was supposed to go. I mean, how did you get from that normal feeling to this feeling to acceptance? How did you get from A to B? Yeah, I would say it's, you know, a lot of times we like to think of grief as like a linear Mm -hmm. process, like you go through this and this and this and this, but that's not how grief is at all. I think of it more as like a web of emotions or like, almost like I kind of imagine, you know, like pinball, that pinball game, like you're like pinball to this emotion, then you go over to this emotion and you're like going all over, like you have every single thing under the sun. So grief is not linear, but also I am where I am because of the work and effort and time I've put into my grief and healing and processing my emotions. And like, I call it grief work, but it's really like feeling your emotions, processing them, holding space, like all the guilt that I've had. I know exactly in my mind where that guilt is. I know the thoughts that make me feel guilt. I know where to go. If I ever want to beat myself up, I can go there. I have no problem. You know, I know where they are. I can find it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I have no problem. But I've processed that guilt in my body so much. I've felt it. I've, and I felt it with compassion and empathy and love at the same time. And I've learned that it's okay for me to put that guilt down. I don't need to carry that anymore. I don't need to beat myself up anymore with it. I've fully processed it. And I feel like that's how each thing that I've worked through, like grief has many layers. Mm-hmm. Every layer that um, comes up is like, okay, let me feel this. Let me process it. That's like the main work that I do with moms is helping them feel and process emotions and thoughts. And But like I've done that for myself. So I know that it works and it helps. And now after I've processed this, I'm able to put it to the side and be like, it doesn't even come up for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Because I, I know I don't need to go there. Yeah. I've, I've, in some sense, some emotions keep cycling and coming again and again, right? But guilt is one that I've been able to fully put to the side. And I'm like, I don't need to. Oh, I love that. To just like kick it and be like, I don't need you, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> oh, gosh, how liberating does that feel, though? I think, I think we're people listening to, I mean, I think as a collective, as uh, lost parents, there is guilt 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 is a uh, yeah. ugly word and this big giant feeling that we've all felt in some capacity at some point so like how empowering to feel like you can just like kick it to the side and be like oh, i'm done with you thank you <laughs> yeah you know what i would i would kind of describe it as like not necessarily i i know that's like what we want to do is kick it to the side <laughs> but that's not how i would necessarily describe it i yeah. think of it more as holding space for it Mm -hmm. and allowing it to be there Mm, and then being like, okay, you know what? I'm done. Yep. And I, I, I have fully completed this part of this process. I don't need this anymore. Right. And it's, it's control, right? Yeah. Mm. And 
when you are feeling the guilt, like I'm, I'm thinking of say somebody who's feeling it right now mm-hmm. and thinking of myself when mm-hmm. I was feeling it, it's like, it's impossible to be like, maybe I know in my head, it wasn't my fault, but in my body and in my heart, I still think it's my fault. Mm-hmm. I still go over, you know, what I could have done, what I could have changed, how I could have saved them. And it feels so impossible. And you can get stuck in this cycle of guilt, this loop over and over and over and over. And that's where I was. And I remember my therapist specifically saying, like, I feel like you're in this, like, this, you get to this point and there's just a stop sign there for you. You can't go any further because you're stuck in the cycle. And we had to like navigate that stop sign. I had to decide that, okay, am I going to keep stopping here and keep cycling in this guilt? Or am I going to choose to like go forward past that stop sign? It was kind of a interesting way that we worked through it, but it is a a big emotion Mm -hmm. and it will eat you up. It really will. Oh, for sure. You don't process it. I also, I love that you described the grief journey for lack of a better word, but as, as more of a web than a line. Because it does, it can feel like okay, all right. I, I shock, yep, check. All these, all these like little things, right? That they were supposed to feel all these things. Anger, yep, check that off last week. You know, now, now what's next? You know, and it can feel so good to get out of one of these steps or phases. But what I think is what you learn is that you can revisit it, like you were just talking about, like grief, right? You can revisit that. Is there another phase that you felt like you revisited more than you would have liked? I honestly felt like I, so when I think of it as that web, I felt like I went through it. Like I never, like I didn't feel anger probably till like eight months after she died. Yeah. But it was like, you know, I'd feel guilt for many days. And then I had this sense of depression where I kind of isolated myself and I didn't want to see anybody And I was just fine with that. And I felt like for some reason, I don't know if I had learned this or therapy helped me with this, or I had, I just had this understanding about grief. Like I didn't make that mean anything about me. I was just like, it's okay. I don't need to see anybody right now. I can just be home. I just kind of become a recluse for two weeks or so. And then all of a sudden I wanted to see people again. And I would feel all the, like, I kind of went back and forth between all of these emotions constantly. And like, it surprised me too, how you could be feeling, you know, say super angry one moment and then super sad the next, like it doesn't, there's no way that grief is supposed to look or go. It totally can just come up and be really surprising what comes up next. And like, you were just feeling happy. All of a sudden you're bawling your eyes out and you're like, I was just happy. What's going on? It's like, that's grief. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's the nature of grief. It, and mm-hmm. it's it's when you can allow all of that to just be what it is, is when grief can get so much lighter. I know it doesn't sound like grief can get lighter, but we add a lot of weight onto our grief with the thoughts of like, this isn't supposed to be like this. I'm going backwards. Oh no, I'm back at the beginning. Like what's wrong with me? Why am I still here? Why am I feeling this emotion again? Rather than just being like, oh, here's anger. This is this is a part of my grief. It's okay for me to feel this. I'm gonna hold space for this anger, if that makes sense. It does. And that's I think that's amazing. I think that's such a great, a great way to come out of it looking at it, you know, in such a a positive way to approach it, right? Because there's there's certainly ignoring those things that we know is not not a good way to process it. So 
I think that's amazing. And so you had another girl. Did you feel like that experience brought you healing in any capacity or did it, you know, you said it made it harder, you know, cause you were four weeks out, you know, from, from having her, but did having her, did that help or what, what would be your experience as far as that? It's like with everything that there's good and bad, you know, really amazing blessings and really challenging parts. Like one thing that was really difficult is it felt really hard to grieve Aria because I was so stressed out about my newborn. Yeah. Because when you are grieving, like I wanted to go to the cemetery. I wanted to take out her clothes and look through her clothes. Like for me, going through her clothes really brought up a lot of emotion. And so it was a way that I could actively grieve her. And I'm like, I can't do that when I have a newborn that I can't leave, number one. And number two, if they're there and then I'm in the middle of doing this and they start bawling and I can't focus on what I'm doing. Like, it just was like, I can't grieve in how I want to because I have this newborn. But also, it was just so amazing for me to be able to, you know, take care of a baby, to hold her, to have another girl. She's just so special. But there were so many times where it was like deja vu over and over again because we had two boys and a girl. And then all of a sudden we have two boys and a girl again. And it was like, but we have two boys and a girl, but we're missing a girl now. But it was like, that was our, what we looked like, you know, to everybody, we have two boys and a girl and everything was that same. She was using Aria's car seat and using her stroller and using all these things that were Aria's that if they were passed down from Aria when Aria's alive, it's not that painful. It's different. But, yeah. but when Aria's dead, it's just so, oh, it was just really challenging. And and really like so many moments of like, I'm so happy and so sad at the same time, like holding her and playing, you know, seeing her do things that are so cute. And I'm like, oh, and I'm also so sad that Aria is not here, that she can't see this, that she can't be a part of this. So I don't know, like, that's my only experience I know. Yeah. You know, I don't know what it's like to have my daughter die and then not have a baby after right. that's what I know so yeah. that's it's no thank you thank you for sharing that I think that's it's fascinating you know because it's it is a different experience and I think we can glean so much from other people's experiences and and what that sounds like you know for better or for worse right we could say oh gosh that's so interesting to hear how that went because I would have given anything right to have an, another baby to hold you know to to feel that weight and that love but that comes with its that comes with its difficulties right like as you all of these things you just said and so there's no like there's no best way right to like just saying you know there's no best way to grieve there's no best way to experience it whether you get pregnant right away and have a baby right away or you don't it all has challenges there are challenges with every path that you're going to navigate because life after loss is difficult right yeah it's just all hard it's all hard your version of hard like your recipe whatever you got it's hard and like yeah and i agree hold space for that hold space your loss whatever it is like whosoever it is it matters you know and and that is hard for you and that matters and so 
I just, I think that's so important, you know, when, when people talk about even into that achy space of comparison and things like that and wishing you had this or that, everyone's version of everyone's story and their experiences is, is rough. And so I think it all, it all matters and it all has its place. So, yeah, I've totally had people, you know, like that brief comparison. I'm like comparing only number one, you can compare to like try to make yourself like, oh, you know, at least I had more time with them or at least I blah, blah, blah. You can try to quote unquote, make yourself feel better Mm -hmm. or you can make yourself. The only thing it does is really cause disconnection. It really separates you from other people because then you're like, well, they didn't experience this that I experienced. So they don't understand or they don't get it because theirs was so different than me or whatever we do to compare. And it just separates you like so many times I've heard people say to me, you know, as a, like with a, a baby that died, people are like, oh, my child was out of the house and I wasn't taking care of them daily. And oh, that's just so much harder for you. I'm like, no, oh, yeah. it's not so much harder for me than right. for you. Right. What you know is what you know. And that is so painful. You know, then other people will say, oh, but you didn't really have any memories with her. You know, I had so many memories and it's just so much harder for me. I'm like, why do we have to compare? Why do we do this? There's no (laughs) comparison. It's just notice how challenging it is for you and how painful it is for you. And if you can have compassion and empathy and hold space for another person, then do it. If you don't have that energy or, you know, whatever, then that's, that's your thing too. But it's just, can we just all start with the fact that it's just painful for everybody and what your story is is painful and there everybody has their own versions and layers in their grief that they have to process and it's going to look different than yours i love that and i think these are even some of the tools that you're using to help coach other parents will you tell us more about what you're doing and all of that for other parents now yeah so kind of the way I started is like, I, I want to do something with this. I want to do something to help. And for me, I was like, I want to help women mentally, emotionally, like to help them be able to live again and to function and to know that there's hope, know that their life isn't over when it can feel so desolate and hopeless. And like, why why even try? Why do this work? What's the point? If nothing can make this better, why would I even try to do anything? I wanted to help them with that. I wanted to help them with anxiety and depression and the guilt and the anger and the, like all that stuff, you know, everything that comes with grief and child loss. And over the years of me doing this, it's kind of morphed into, I have a membership that I do tapping meditations that are specific to child loss. I do emotion meditations to help them process and feel the emotions in their body because grief is such a physical experience, but we don't like to feel the emotions and there's no fault on anybody for that. It's just super painful. We don't want to. And and we weren't taught how to feel emotions, but it wasn't modeled to us. And so a lot of moms come in there with like that. I don't know how to feel my emotions. I've been numbing them. I don't want to feel them, but I know I need to, and I want to learn how. And so that's kind of what I do in there. I do meditations, I do visualizations, um, tapping, breath work, all these things that really help you get out of your head and into your body and connect with your body. So that's the main focus. And there is a part inside of Grieving Moms Haven, I have a program called Life After Child Loss Program that kind of goes through more like the 
the mind mental side of it, like thinking the thoughts, noticing what thoughts, how you have thoughts that cause a lot of extra suffering, say a lot of guilt thoughts that causes a lot of extra suffering that is not necessary. It's not something that you need to like there's, sorry, I'll, I'll quickly explain this. There's clean grief and dirty grief. And clean grief is like that pain that we feel, that deep loss, that sadness, that ache, like it, that's normal. That's natural. That's what we, we want to feel that. I don't ever want to lose that deep grief because for me, that grief connects me to Aria in the way that I know she was alive. I know she lived. I know she was here. Like she happened. She was here. Right. And the dirty grief is that cycling and spinning and suffering, like the guilt and the maybe even like anger of whatever it is that you keep spinning and cycling over and over and over and you can't seem to get anywhere. You just spin in it and it just causes a lot of suffering on top. So the work I do is helping support you through your body and also when you're ready and you're ready to start looking at those thoughts, starting to question the thoughts that you're thinking and noticing what's going on in your mind too. And it is just so incredible. Like I love what I do. And every time I get off a call, I'm like, this is just amazing. It's like over and over moms who for the first time have had their pain in their belly disappear or that they can breathe like, oh my gosh, I can take a deep breath or they felt calm and grounded for the first time since their child died or like they felt peace. They're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know this was possible. I didn't know that I would ever feel this feeling again. I'm like, I didn't see, look, you felt it now. Now you know it's possible. It's just so amazing. I really, really love it. We are so grateful that you are doing this service. That's fantastic. That's so great. It's so needed. And for you to turn your pain and in this incredibly difficult situation into a place where you help others and you help other moms, you know, navigate that. I just, I applaud you. That's some, that's some amazing work that you're doing. And that's wonderful. You said on calls, so moms can reach out to you, can do this virtually or is it in person or how does that work? Yeah. So Grieving Moms Haven is an online program. And so they have access to all of the, like I have tons of tapping meditations and breath work, they can do this anytime in their own time if they ever need it. And that's what a lot of moms do. Like say the holidays are coming up and they are having feeling a lot of anxiety or dread for the holidays. And so then they do the tapping meditation to help them kind of process that. And then I do three calls a month with them. So we have two calls where I do these meditations and breath work and tapping live with them so that they have a place that they know that, okay, I'm going to do this at that time. And then we have one call a month. That's like just a, it's more like a grief support style call where we just call, we just chat. And those two calls are anonymous and this one isn't. So this one, you can see everybody and talk and really connect with other people. They're just, it's just amazing. It really, I can't describe it how, I don't know, the moms that are in there that have utilize the tools and like how much they say how much it's helped i'm just like i i don't know i'm so grateful that i've been led to do this today that's amazing well we will link all of your information in our show notes so if you're listening you can find all that information there but we want to hear it from you what your website is social handles and how we can contact you yeah so my website is meganhelica.com and my podcast is called grieving moms podcast 
You can find that on my website and my Instagram is Cultivated Family. I do share some of our travels because we are traveling currently for three months will be stationary, but we're traveling in a converted school bus. That's a whole nother story, but it's also because of Aria. Yeah, (laughs) we traveled for a year in it. Now we'll be in Minnesota for three months, but I share some of that, but I also share a lot about grief on there podcast, my website. I'm not thinking of anything else right now. <laughs> That's all right. We will we will have all those links for everyone um, to find there in the show notes. So Megan, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to chat with me and to share the st- Aria's story with everyone else and your story of healing and your journey. So thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Jen. Yes, right. it's been amazing. Well, have a great day and I hope that folks out there will connect with you and and your services that you're providing that are so needed. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Haven's Landscape of Loss. If you found it helpful to hear this story and are going through a loss journey of your own or supporting someone else who is, consider subscribing on wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you found this episode helpful and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with loved ones, post about it on social media, and leave a five-star rating wherever you're listening. Finally, to learn more and get even more resources about the lost journey or to send a healing gift, please visit havenmidwest.org. And while you're there, consider donating. This podcast is made possible by our partners at Tellwell, listeners like you, and folks willing to share their stories so we can all heal together. You are-